Yes, Yu-Gi-Oh! Our Silly Moon Podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Isha. And in this episode, we'll be talking about the third and widely considered the best arc of Sailor Moon, the Infinity slash Deathbusters arc. So we're going to cover the manga first. We'll do that in two... We'll probably do that in three parts. Hopefully it won't stretch out to four. This is a very dense story, and it's very tightly written, uh, and I love it. Huge contrast to the last arc. <laughs> Big contrast. Like, you could tell that there was so much more effort put behind this. And that's not to say that, like, the Black Moon arc in the manga wasn't good, you know, but it was definitely just like, okay, there was a bit more space to breathe here than there was yeah. for Black Moon. Yeah. Um, Black Moon was a really short arc in the manga. Mm-hmm. Was it short? Or did it just feel short? It both. <laughs> okay <laughs> i think it's both i don't remember how many like chapters it was because like uh-huh. the dark kingdom had like maybe 14 chapters uh yeah. and i don't remember how many black moon had anyway not important we're not talking about them <laughs> so what i like about this is how it opens because i didn't remember that it opens like this but in the manga it opens with visions and we see our first view of Hotaru Tomoe, who is Sailor Saturn, if you didn't know. Um, but we also see that, like, both Rei and Mamo-chan are having visions about um, some something about destruction and three talismans. Um, I really like that, like, Mamo-chan is also getting visions, so, like, when Rei can bring it up, it's just, like, they both back each other up. Yeah. It's kind of like Takeuchi like, incorporated, like, Rei having a crush on Mama-chan in the first anime, in, like, the first season of the anime, and was just like, we're gonna have it so that they're comrades, because Rei hates men. <laughs> <laughs> but she makes an exception for Mamoru. Yeah. Uh, and then we switch to, like, the Sakina household, and, uh, there's a report on TV. Uh, I don't- I- it's discussed in the first arc that uh, Kenji Papa is a reporter, so he's frequently gone for work. But uh, he's home at this time, and he explains because it's just like there's this report on TV about like a student from the super elite Mugen Academy turning into a monster, and he says it's a form of atavism, which I had to look up because I was like, I don't know what this is. Uh, atavism is basically like the concept of de-evolution, so like humans returning to like a previous form of evolution um that's what they're saying this is uh and usagi like seeing this report like gets nervous because she's just like oh god like i'm happy now but like is something else coming yeah yeah um Um, the translation i read they they translated it as uh turning into a primitive state which um mm. I was a little confused by that, because as we get into it, they just kind of look like indistinct blobs to me. Like, I'm like, how is this a primitive state or a, an unevolved state, you know? But that's that's what the story says. <laughs> well, I mean, like, that's that's what atavism is supposed to be, but it's just kind of like, is this... Because it, it's all of these people making uh, just guesses, right? You know? Yeah. They're just like, Maybe this is what it is. Maybe, um, yeah, maybe. Because it's just like, we have no way to describe what happened here. We're going to go with this. Right. 
There's got to be some scientific explanation. And we have a really cute scene where, like, Usagi and Chibiusa are going to school and Mama-chan is waiting for them. And, he's, like, Chibiusa beats Usagi to Mama-chan. Um, and then, like, Mama-chan immediately ignores Chibiusa because Diana has followed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's ignoring both Usagis and he's I just cuddling that. the kitten. And it's... I wrote the note, Mom- Manga Mama-chan is best boy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's super cute, because, like, I, I like it. It's perfect, because we had so much of Usagi getting jealous of Chibiusa, and now there's a kitten, <laughs> and Chibiusa's getting jealous of the kitten. You know, it's like, I'm sorry, she's an adorable, tiny, talking kitten. Uh, what can you do? I think, like, Chib- Chibiusa says, like, would you cuddle me if I was, like, Diana? And he was like, can you turn into something like Diana? <laughs> He's like, yeah, sure. Just become a cat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mama Chan, cat person confirmed. Yes. <laughs> it is a really cute. Oh, I love it. Uh, we also learned that Chibiusa is officially a second grader in the manga, so she's about seven, eight years old. Um, probably eight, because school in Japan starts in April, her birthday's in June. Uh, and Isagi and the others are now officially in their third year of middle school. Uh, which is which correlates to ninth grade in the United States, so they are now fifteen ish, uh, and that makes Mama Chan a third year high school student. So he's almost done with high school; they're almost done with middle school. Um, after school, they go to the arcade because there's a new racing game, and so like the others just like shove Usagi into this thing and they dump a helmet on her head, and she's like, "What's happening?" <laughs> And I love it that, like, I love that, like, Mako-chan and Minako are just, like, bullying her a little bit with this game. Yeah. Come on, play it. Do the thing. Do the thing. She's like, I don't know what this is. I don't know what's happening. I think at this time the anime Initial D was out. Uh Uh-huh. Or had it been out? I didn't look it up. That would make sense. It definitely has Initial D vibes. Yeah. For those who don't know, Initial D is, like, a a seminal anime it's like a very uh it's one of the it's it's an establishing anime it's a racing anime uh so there was a lot of like car stuff that came out after initial d there was a lot of car related things I for feel some like. reason for some reason i thought i always thought initial d had started as a video game but i could be totally off of that but you know it's not like i was into the franchise right like initial d is very shonen yeah this is starting yeah. as a manga, which is not a surprise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it was a manga Anyways. adapted into an anime, and then it became a video game. Which is the same case for Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. It's great, because they're doing this racing game, and then uh, there's another slot for it. And I love that, like, Motoki is just kind of like, hey, <laughs> but not important at all. Like, they're just kind of like, whatever. Like, everybody's gotten over their crush over Motoki. Yeah, he's just there now. <laughs> But there's another race. There's another slot for the racing game, and there's this mysterious guy, and um, we find out that this is Haruka Tenno, who is a racing ace. Um, and Izaki doesn't know who, quote unquote, he is. And Minako and Mako are just like, oh, he's like this famous racer. Like we know him from the magazines, and like Mina and Mako like immediately have a crush on Haruka because they think Haruka's a guy. Uh, spoilers, I guess. Uh, Haruka is. 
a woman. <laughs> Physically female. So, but the, the manga makes this really unclear. The manga really, the way Haruka is drawn up until the reveal is drawn very masculine, like has more of like a squarish jaw, has broader shoulders, um, slimmer hips. Uh, so it makes sense for, for people to think that Haruka, like even as a reader, Haruka is a man. Yeah, and she dresses in a very uh, androgynous way that kind of obscures her figure. So, yeah, she also wears the the male uniform for school. Yeah. So she wears the male Mugen Academy uniform. Um, they leave the arcade and then they see a Mugen student. When I say they, I mean the Century team, our Century team. Uh, see a student from the Mugen Academy uh, turn into a monster, just like on TV. And, uh, they transform, they defeat it, and Minako senses that they're being watched, but she doesn't know who it is. Uh, it's Uranus and Neptune. <laughs> <laughs> Long story short, mystery solved. Yeah. It's, it's Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune. Uh, reading it for the first time, it's kind of like, oh no, who's this? Uh, cause that's how I felt when I was like 12. Uh, uh-huh. cause I didn't know anything. Uh, but, like, as an adult, having read this several times and watched this a few times and, like, watched how many musicals, I'm like, ah, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really uh, cute, though. I like I like how they introduced Haruka before they had, like, the mysterious background characters, you know? Because um, yeah. she, she has, like, a really nice interaction with Usagi. She just, like, comes in, plays the game, beats, you know, kicks butt on the mm-hmm. game. And and then does a little flirting and pieces out, basically. <laughs> the uh, thing that I like about the manga that I wish they had kept in the anime with is with the arcade, because every time there's a new ally, they're in the arcade yeah. being awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, there's something about women or people who are coded feminine entering an arcade and kicking butt in the 90s that just means a lot to me because like video games then and still even now are very much coded as masculine yeah uh they're masculine majority areas unless you're playing like a quote-unquote casual game like stardew valley or you know animal crossing uh which are seen as more feminine but it's just like yeah games don't have a gender and when you apply it to that like you're ruining people's enjoyment of the game you're limiting people anyway yeah did you know this is this is like it's related but um just loosely the new american girl doll she's from the her story takes place in the 80s and her Mm -hmm. story is that she's a gamer she she plays um yeah so she plays an arcade she plays arcade games i don't know her story because i haven't read it i just but I bought, I bought a a third scale miniature of a Pac Man, uh, arcade game because I can do that. I'm an adult, <laughs> and you can actually play it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Anyway, oh so yeah, that's Courtney, American Girl doll, another uh, uh, girl gamer from from way back cool. when. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I remember cute. just like in college, just obsessively playing super mario not super mario uh but dr mario on my laptop 
Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, wow, Isha, you must be really into games. And, like, I would turn and I would look at them and I'm like, it's Dr. Mario on the SNES. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's like, this is the most simple thing. I'm like, this is basically like a like a color matching Tetris. I'm doing this because my brain is empty when I play it. Like, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, But, like, it, even, like, people like me, you know, like, I don't consider myself a gamer even though like i've played a lot of video games in my life yeah um i don't keep up with anything modern anymore because my brain is too dumb for it (laughs) (laughs) but it's also just like i didn't feel like i could claim that because i wasn't into like the big stuff like mmorpgs and whatnot um so i i feel like yeah even when you're even when you're into it you feel like you're not allowed to be into it right i i do feel like though especially in the early 2000s there was a really high level of gatekeeping. I think we're getting to mm. the point now where um, gaming and being a gamer, the definition is broadening. Although there is still definitely a, a portion of the community that is still heavily gatekeep, gatekept, you know? But uh, yeah. I think it's broadening because I, I feel the same way. I don't really call myself a gamer. I like retro games. I like the stereotypical girl games. You know, I like Animal Crossing. Um, but uh, I, I'm i starting to feel a little bit more comfortable with that title. But yeah, it's it's a space that I think for a long time, unless you fit the specific mold, you didn't feel comfortable stepping into that space, especially as a woman. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that's helped by the fact that there's a lot more indie games, and a lot of them are developed by people who are not straight or male. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it so was really there's cool. a little bit more diversity behind the screen. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Even things like uh, Elden Ring, I like that you can play mm. as a girl, and I like that the armor looks no different on a, a female body versus a male body because it's literally just the same armor. Uh, mm-hmm. I have to admit, it, it did annoy me when you would pick up armor and put it on your female and it's just a bikini. You know, you put it on the male and it's like <laughs> this really awesome armor. And it's like, it's the same piece yeah. of armor. You can trade it between characters and shit like that. And mm-hmm. for some reason, your female is just like, how do I put this on? I guess I'll put the uh, the shoulder pieces onto my boobs because that's how this works, you know? <laughs> It's like, does she just not know yeah. how? Does she just not know how to put on her? Like, what the fuck is happening here? Anyways, it's just... Anyway, it is it is very frustrating, and I'm glad that we're moving away from Progressing that. a little bit. I mean, and don't get me yeah. wrong. Slowly, as, slowly. As, as a bisexual woman, I do like some eye candy. I do like some, some titty char- characters, you know? You know, some characters that are just there to be sexy. I'm good with that. But it shouldn't be every single female, you know, Mm -hmm. for no reason. If it doesn't, if she's like, if she's the type of character that uses her sexuality to, to her advantage, then yeah, she's going to wear a lot less clothing, you know? (laughs) But if it's like, if it's like the wallflower, shy, intelligent character, why is she running around in no clothes? Like, make it make sense. That's all I'm asking. Make it make sense. (laughs) 
Anyways. Yeah, it's funny that we're, we're talking about that when uh, this whole series is, is girls in really short skirts. <laughs> That's true, but they're magical. <laughs> they are magical. And, um, and they're all wearing the same uniform. Yeah. Uh, just different colors. Yep. And different boots. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's pretty much... It, Sailor Moon is directed a lot towards, in the manga at least, a lot towards the female gauge. Uh, I can't talk. The female gaze, you know? We want to be pretty. Mm-hmm. We want to look at pretty girls with pretty outfits, with pretty hair, with magical powers, you know? Yeah. Not to say it can appeal to men, but it's not for that. The whole thing isn't written to be salacious. <laughs> yeah, it's it's never... It's funny because, like, there's a lot of romance in Sailor Moon, but I would never say there's anything that, like, feels sexy. Yeah, it's... Yeah. it It's very much, like, it's very much made for its target audience, which is, you know, middle school girls. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, so, we come back to uh, <laughs> them post, you know, defeating this monster... Which, by defeating the monster, they restore the per- the person who, like, transformed into it. So they don't kill anybody. Um, and so, unlike in the anime uh, with the Black Moon arc, uh, they essentially immediately connect the dots. They're like, okay, there is an enemy. Like, Rei's having, like, these visions. Mamo-chan is having these visions. Here are these monsters. All of it has to do with this Mugen Academy. Uh, and I don't think I've said it yet that Mugen uh, in Japanese means infinity. That's why it's called the Infinity Arc. Um, so, like, they they come together and they have a meeting and they, they're like, this is what's happening. We're not going to be caught off guard like we were with Black Moon. So they've already learned from their past. Yeah. Um, and I love it! <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, I made it. Like, note. finally... They keep referring to the Delta region. And yeah, so um, in so you have the original like mixed Tokyo Pop translations, and I have um, the more recent ones. Uh-huh. And so there's like a little, so there's a Delta there where like Mugen is in the center, so it's a triangle, and it's like reclaimed land essentially, like land that has been sort of like lifted up out of the sea. And so you have the Tenno building, the Kayo building, the Mayo building, and those, when you, like, draw lines to them, make a triangle, and in the center is, like, Mugen Academy. Yeah. I was a little bit confused. And it's a very rich, upscale area. Yeah, I was a little confused at first why they were calling it the Delta region, because, well, where I live, I live on a Delta, so I was like, is it on the river? And then it clicked. It's (laughs) oh, no, it's a triangle. It's it's the letter mm-hmm. Delta. Yeah. It's the Greek letter Delta. And then I stopped being confused. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Um, I like that in the Senshi, t- Senshi meeting, they're like, okay, we're going to try to infiltrate this place. Um, and Mamoru has already committed to taking, like, the Senshi team does not include Chibiusa. Chibiusa is not a part of this. They're like, she's the child. <laughs> right. Uh, but Mamoru's taking her and her classmates to this, uh, Mugen amusement park. And so, cause they're like, can you come with us? And he's like, I'm taking Chibiusa to the amusement park. And Isaki's like, really? 
And he's like, it's literally right next door. So like, if you need me, you can call me. And he takes, he takes like these four children, these four elementary school children to an amusement park with Asanuma. Mm-hmm. So Asanuma comes back. <laughs> he's not just like a one-off character. He comes back. Asanuma is here. Uh, and it's very cute. It's very cute. Cause he's just like, why am I here with you? And it's like, it's because you love Mamoru and he asked you to. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice. Very good for me. It's nice that we didn't lose that character. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's very cute. And then we get the, like, a proper introduction to the Death Busters, who yes. are Master Faro 90, who's, like, the amorphous, like, he's basically the Queen Metallia of this group. Uh-huh. Um, we have Professor Tomoe, who has a bitchin' gold eye, eye patch, essentially, over one eye. Fabulous. Uh, we have Kaoli Knight, who is like the head witch and the witches five. Uh, so that's Udiel, Vilui, Mimet, uh, Cyprene, and I always forget one of them. Um, I don't have them down. On anyway, the list, and then we'll we'll come to each Telu, of them in time. Telu. <laughs> Sorry, like I'm just like oh, uh, I always forget one of them. Uh, I'm like. Here's all of them. I'm like, no, I'm forgetting one. Anyway, we meet the Witches Five. They're great. I love everybody's outfits. Like, we'll talk more about them in their episode. But Kelly Knight has, like, this beautiful, just, like, deep V dress. Just, like, a strappy dress, strappy black dress. I don't know. She looks fabulous. Everybody looks really good in this art. They always have fantastic high fashion going on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so basically what they're doing is like an actual sort of like invasion of the body snatchers. They're basically refugees from an extra, from like a different solar system that has been destroyed and they're trying to basically revive their system or like their people by putting eggs into humans and changing them into the people of the Tau solar system. Yeah. But and, um... All the um the experiments keep being defective, and that's why they keep turning into the daemons instead. Yes. Yeah. I think the anime calls them daimon. Yeah, daimon. What do they call in Japanese? Yeah. I think it's yeah daimon. Daimon. Yeah. It's basically just like it's kind of like demon, but not exactly. It's the Greek um. um it's the Greek word for uh entities that are not god and not human. So, uh, yeah, daimon or daemon are referring to things like centaurs, unicorns, um, well, pegasi. Huh. Yeah, those are daimons or daemons. It's actually where the word demon comes from. The, the Christian faith or, um, I don't know if the Christians or, but Abrahamic, uh, faiths appropriated the word for, um, Mm. for the evil entities in theirs. Um. But yeah, so anything that wasn't quite human, all of these, you know, Greek mythology is filled with all these magical creatures. All those magical creatures mm-hmm. were daemon or daimon. Oh, yep. I had no idea. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so we go to the infiltration and the infiltration is uh, the five senshi kind of showing up and being like, how did we get in? And Isaki being like, disguise, fun motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... <laughs> 
like, sneaks in. And in the meantime, like, Chibi Yusa loses her hat at the amusement park because she's on a, like, roller coaster, like a kitty coaster. And it flies off. And her friend Momo is like, oh, I'll go help you look for it. And she's like, no, I saw where it went. I'm just going to go tell Mamoru. And so, like, Momo comes back alone and Mamoru's like, oh, where is Chibi Yusa? Uh, and of course, her hat flies off to where the Tomoes live. Outside of the, the park. Plot demands it. She has left the park to chase her hat. Yes. She left the park. Yeah. It's a very, very dumb thing to do. But she's like, no, Ikuka Mama gave me this hat. I have to, you know, take care of it. And it's, it's a very child thing to do. Yeah. It's like, you're going to get in a lot more trouble for leaving the park by yourself. But sure, yeah. yeah. Without telling anybody where you're going. She told Momo. Like, all you had to do was go to Mamoru and be like, hey, I lost my hat. And he'd be like, all right, let's go get your hat. Yeah. And, okay, in all fairness, you know? though, I was probably around that age when I threw myself off of a moving boat to get my hat. So. <laughs> it was a Sonic the Hedgehog hat. And Sonic merch was really hard to find at okay. that time. Yeah, and I, I knew can, I knew okay, from that experience because my brother, I didn't know. yeah, my brother had lost hats on the boat before, and by the time they slow down, turn the boat around, and come back to it, it'll sink. So that's why I was like, "Well, I've got a life jacket." Pew! <laughs> I can just imagine like the tiny version of you just throwing yourself <laughs> <laughs> and just belly flopping. I didn't belly flop. I went in like I, I think I went in foot first. Yeah, just jumped out. Yeah, but it's a funnier image to have you belly flop. <laughs> it's a belly flop to go get the hat. Uh, anyway, Isaki, as like a Mugen student, like runs into Haruka Michiru, who recognize her for who she is, but like she doesn't know who the hell they are. And they're like, you need to go. Yeah. This is not a place for you. And she's like, what? <laughs> Uh, they're like you need to get out you're gonna jeopardize what we're trying to do here and she's just Usagi and then another Mugen student sees her and is like who the hell are you let me see your ID what's your name what's your gear Um, and like she bolts and in bolting she runs to where the Tomoe's live which is where Chibiusa is because Chibiusa has now found her hat and by finding her hat she has also found a collapsed Hotaru Mm-hmm. Uh, by the door and is like, hey, you good? And Usaki gets there, Chibiusa's tried to help Otaru, and then a daimon jumps out. And it's a daimon attached to a cat. <laughs> and so Usagi and Chibiusa immediately transform. They defeat the enemy. Um, and Hotaru, who is still conscious and definitely saw them transform, is like, who are you? And Chibiusa's like, I'm Ch- Sailor Chibi Moon! <laughs> I love how she's just straightforward about it, too. It's so cute. She's like, anyway, let's be friends. No! But to be fair to her, like, she comes from a future where literally everybody knows who she is. Mm -hmm. So the concept of, like, having to keep this secret maybe, like, doesn't occur to her. Because, like, probably for her mind, like, the danger has passed. Like, the Black Moon has been defeated. Crystal Tokyo of the future has been restored. Like, it might just not occur to her, like, hey, maybe I shouldn't say this. Yeah. Chibisa gives away their identities. Usagi notices that they're being watched. Because, like, while Chibisa is talking to, like, almost collapsed Hotaru, 
um, Sailor Moon turns and she sees the figure of a Sailor Senshi with kind of like medium to long length hair and a person wearing a mask and a cape like Tuxedo Common. Yes! Except the way it's so good. It's I so love cool. I love the misdirect here. Yeah. Because you immediately, like, as a reader, you're just like, okay, that's gotta be Haruka, the, the racing ace. You know, it's like, he must be, like, another type of tuxedo mask. Uh, but if you look closely, like, there's more of a silhouette for that one rather compared to this, the person who's clearly in a senshi outfit. Yeah. You, the cape obscures most things and you can kind of see a point of foot, but you don't really see, like, the end of a trouser leg yeah, or anything like that. So it's it's really ambiguous. In one of the images, I think Every- you can even see a little bit of the skirt. But yeah, the cape mostly obscures it. Mm-hmm. And I I love that. I love that kind of the, the way it's obscured. I'm just like, I can only imagine like reading this real time in Nakayoshi. Uh-huh. <laughs> and... Just the just the feeling that you must have had as like a, a young teenage girl, like <laughs> being like, "Oh my god, another tuxedo mask!" Right, because it's like it's obvious that Neptune and Uranus are Michiru and Haruka. Like that's no question. Yes. We we see Michiru and her violin playing and Haruka and all her race stuff, and um, it's obvious, but. They do kind of keep it a mystery. They, you really don't know that Haruka is um, a, a woman. And um, mm-hmm. they do a really good job keeping it a mystery whether or not they're actually allies or not. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more antagonism that is really played up in the anime. There's a lot of like, hey, don't look at us, don't talk to us, don't acknowledge us yeah. in the anime. That isn't as intense in the manga. Yeah. Um. But it's it's a really cool, like, shot. I don't know how else to phrase it. I guess panel uh, of them in the night sky, just, like, yeah. leaping away. It's very good. Yeah. It's, it's very great. good for me. Love it. Um, Big fan. But anyway, like, uh, Sailor Moon and Chibi Moon leave, because Sailor Moon's like, absolutely not. We have to go. <laughs> uh, and to- yeah, and Hotaru gets inside, and she meets her dad, Professor Tomoe, who we mentioned before as being part of the bad guys, and he gives her this crystal that kind of looks like a tulip a little bit? How would you describe that shape? Uh, like an upside-down tulip. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, like, a strawberry, to be honest. <laughs> it's like that that shape, and then it's got, like, it looks like petals at the top. yeah. Yeah, it does kind of look like a lamp, which fits in yeah. with, like, Hotaru loving lamps. Yeah, that's true. I wonder, it It looks like, um, it looks like a pendulum, the, the bottom portion. Mm. It looks like a pendulum with, um, uh, like, like, like petals or a star shape on the top, crowning it. Yeah. But, and so, like, it says, like, this is the Tyron crystal, which, um... I think we'll talk, I'm going to talk about later, but like it helps her to suppress like the illnesses because she's basically just collapsing. Yeah. Um, the manga then does a thing where it's just Mamoru who's continuing to have visions about talismans of coming destruction. Ray is kind of cut out there, mm-hmm. which annoys me. 
And then the next day, Isagi's at the heart arcade and Haruka is there. And Isagi's kind of surprised to see Haruka. And Haruka's like, yeah, I'm not supposed to be here. I shouldn't be here seeing you, but I couldn't help it. Uh, and Isagi, like, flat out asks her, are you a senshi? And she's like, what is that? What is, I've never, I don't know what that word means. <laughs> and Isagi's just like, ooh, like, that was a dumb question to ask because Haruka is a man and men can't be senshi. But it's just, like, <laughs> Haruka's just, like, given a lot of mixed signals right now. It's just like, I like you, but also I shouldn't be near you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like, what do you want, baby? What do you want? Um, You know, one thing we didn't know- mention was see there was a point earlier where uh usagi spot spotted michiru talking to yes. and yeah i uh, forgot about that yeah that i feel like that's kind of that'll get tied in later so even though it was there was a brief moment earlier when they were at i think it was when they at the, at the arcade i believe because usagi was having mm. an interaction with haruka and mamoru was having an interaction with michiru uh and it's really funny because Mamoru is immediately put on edge by Michiru. Yeah. Like he's immediately clocks her. It's like, I don't know what you are. It's like, there's something <laughs> off about her. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas Haruka and, and Usagi seem to be drawn to each other. Not necessarily. Like, Haruka obviously is kind of crushing on Usagi, but that's not really mutual. But Usagi definitely is is drawn to Haruka in some way, you know? Mm-hmm. I think she's not even sure. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say that's just like the inherent queen senshi bond. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I think that's that's just why. Like they can't they they're drawn to her even though they're not they're not supposed to be, and I think that's why Meteor approaches Mamoru, because it's just like as the prince, as second in command, technically. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Tell your girlfriend to uh, back the fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but so the crystal, though, we kind of, i sorry, I kind of derailed. The crystal that he gives, sure. Hotaru, it seems to help initially, at least relieve some of the pain. Mm-hmm. Because she seems to have, but, what would you but, describe, just like chronic pain, chronic weakness? Yeah, and we find out later, I don't want to, I don't. I think that's in the, is it in the notes? I think we find out later that, yeah, it's not in this episode's notes, but we find out later that she uh, has been through a lot of physical trauma, mm-hmm. physical and mental trauma, frankly. And so physically she's very weak. Yeah. But uh, I want to save that for later. Yeah. We'll get into that. I just wanted to kind of give a picture of what the heck is going on with her though, you know, what what mm-hmm. we're seeing at this point. So at this point, we're just seeing that she has these ep- like these episodes of cop- coughing fits where she collapses and yeah, yeah, and she has fevers. It seems. Mm-hmm. We find out that Mars is off doing spiritual training, and I found it really funny, like reading the manga, like how much it feels like she watched the anime and kind of was like, "I like that, but let me make it better." <laughs> yeah. Which, which is why I wanted, uh, honestly, why I wanted to mention the thing with Mamoru and Michiru, because, um, because, yeah, we'll get back to that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we found out that Mars is off doing spiritual training, and the girls are all pissed because it's her birthday, which is April 17th, by the way. Just so you all know, uh, it's already passed, but, um, 
they're like, uh, I can't believe she ditched us on her birthday. Like, how are we going to have a party without her? So they follow her. They find out where she's going to have, where she's doing the spiritual training so they can foist a birthday party on her. And Mako confronts Rei separately and is like, did you come here because you found out that Mugen Academy is having a retreat here? And Rei's like, yeah, but I want to take care of this without involving Usagi because they're very much like, they both agree, like, let's try to take care of this without involving Sailor Moon because they want to protect their princess. Yeah. And as I say in all caps in my notes, doing their damn jobs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're so much more competent in the manga. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one, thing, one thing, like, so one thing that I like about this arc in the manga is we mentioned that there's a lot of mysteries, but there's also a lot of the senshi putting two and two together. And being like, huh, it seems like all of the weird stuff happening is centered around the Delta region. We need to investigate, you know? Or, and they get to the point where it's mm-hmm. like, huh, this seems to be very heavily based around the Mugen Academy. So Ray is like, I'm going to investigate, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, I just, I like that they're not stupid. <laughs> Yeah. That they can put two and two together. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like Ami's the only one who's allowed to be smart. Like, they're all allowed to be smart. Yeah. And they have different strengths. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of the times when people, when people say smart, they mean book smart. Yeah. And there's a lot of different kind of smartness. And I feel like all of the Senshi have their own specialty, essentially. Which is... I think something that we've talked about, but anyway. <laughs> uh, they, so the Mugen Academy, it's basically like a martial arts retreat and like a meditation thing because they're also doing the whole standing under waterfall thing. Yeah. Um, but they go over there to be like, where do you want to see what's happening? Because all of them are there. And when they go there, Haruka is there and they're doing judo and Haruka's like, hey, what are you kids doing here? Uh, and Makachan, like, flat out, like, is like, you want to go? And Haruka's like, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And Haruka beats Makachan. And that's, like, the first time I think, like, Makachan has ever, like, lost in a one-on-one fight when it's not, like, a supernatural thing. Uh, and everybody's just like, hey, like, you can't do that to a girl. And Haruka's like, what, you think an enemy's gonna stop just because you're a woman? Yeah. And, like, is badass. <laughs> I don't... I just sat there and I was like, do I have a crush on Haruka right now? <laughs> I don't know why I have this in a different order than your notes. But I have, hmm. I have the notes prior to the 15th birthday thing that, um... Let's see. We're seeing Mamoru's dreams again. And Michiru and Haruka are... There's, there's a point in there... Let's see. We see some allusions to the um to the fact that Michiru and Haruka seem to hang on. I have in my notes Michiru and Haruka are implied to be aiming to acquire the three talismans. So I think we had a moment where they're like discussing the talismans. And then mm, Yeah, probably. Us- I probably just left that out. Yeah, and then we see the second time that Usagi Michiru we see the second time that Usagi sees Michiru 
and Mamoru speaking. Um, yes, I I did. I put that in later because I was like, oh, wait, that was actually important uh, because she talks to Mamoru and gives him two tickets to her concert. Right. Intending for him to bring Usagi. And Usagi sees them talking but doesn't realize she he's been given tickets. Yeah, because Michiru had seen him. Uh, Mamoru was reading up on Professor Tomoe. And then invites him mm-hmm. to the concert. Um, and it's like right at that moment that Usagi is approached by Haruka. And um, and Usagi actually asks them if she's a, if, if Haruka's a senshi. A senshi. Yeah. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah. She's just because she saw them in the distance as the when they had that fight. And Usagi mm-hmm. was like, are you guys a senshi? And Haruka's like, what are you talking about? But then Haruka's like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. And then Haruka's like, are you, are, do you and your friends fight together? And, um, then her friends come up and chase off Haruka. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I wanted to mention that before we moved on to the, um, the thing with Ray because I felt like that that beat is really important for like the way things tie together later and I just think it's really yeah, it cool because like Usagi is so often mischaracterized as a moron but like Usagi is the one who like sees them and it's like you you're a senshi aren't you you know and if she didn't get <laughs> if if um if Haruka just didn't outright right, deny it then she wouldn't have doubted herself later on because, like, Usagi's whole thing is like, God, I'm so stupid. Clearly he's not a senshi, he's a man. You know? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Everybody is so competent. <laughs> I know! All of them. I'm so proud of them. I, I am too. But yeah. It's fabulous. And then we see the, um... We meet, and then we go to the spiritual training. Yeah. And we meet Udiel, the... Is that how you say it? Udiel? Yes, the Udiel. Yeah, yeah, the first of the witches five, whose theme is fire. She's got red hair, and she like she teaches like harem pants, I guess. Yeah, and she teaches etiquette and philosophy at um, the school, and she's training on on and also apparently martial arts. Apparently, it's just like that part's kind of <laughs> left out. But, um... It's like etiquette and philosophy and also how to throw a person into the ground. Right. Like, you do. Like, you need to know if you're studying those things. But, yeah, she's... Mm-hmm. She's, um... Part of etiquette is knowing when to throw a person to the ground. For sure. And how to do it properly. Exactly. <laughs> but she seems <laughs> to be meant to be raised foil. We yeah, because that. she's fire-themed. And so, like, Haruka fights Mako with the judo. And Udil's like, stop messing around. Like yeah. these are strangers. Like who like you're not a part of this team. And so we see later at night that Udil is with other Mugen Academy students and basically like That's flat out a cult. <laughs> what I wrote. Yeah, it's like doing weird cult shit. I basically like wrote the same making thing. them <laughs> <laughs> uh making them into diamonds as vessels for like the Tao system people. And, like, I don't, I know you don't know this reference because you don't play a Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. but this is very similar to what they were doing in Final Fantasy IX, so if anybody knows what I'm talking about, like, 
hit me up. Uh, <laughs> you can tweet us at anyway. We'll get uh, but Ray and Mako like sneak out to like spy on this, and they're and they're seeing like, oh, okay, enemy. They transform and they start to fight, and Ami wakes up in like the place where they were staying. She's like, oh, they're gone. <laughs> Go. She wakes up and Saki, Mina, she's like, uh, our friends are gone. I think they're going off. I think they're fighting. Yeah. And UDL turns into some kind of, like, Gorgon, Medusa-looking monster. Uh, mm-hmm. But then, then she dies. <laughs> yeah. So, like, the Senshi fight, and they, they held their own pretty well, but Sailor, but, and then Sailor Moon does the finishing blow with, uh, Moon Spiral Heart Attack. Yeah, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they notice... But, like, Uranus and Neptune are lurking and, like, watching them fight. Uh, so anyway, that's the first one down of but, the Witches 5. Uh-huh. And I see it. Usagi mm. chases after Uranus. Say again? Um, after the fight, Usagi spots Uranus and chases after her. Yeah. And but she runs super fast. Yeah. And describes her as fast as the wind. Mm. Or at least in the translation I read, that's one of the things. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same in in the the more modern translation. So, what year did the my books come out? Um, it was about 2010, Yeah, that this edition came out, and then there's the Kanzenban or like the Eternal edition, and that's really coming out in the U.S. I think three years ago, so about twenty nineteen. Yeah. Uh, so, there are multiple editions of Sailor Moon. There Ken are. Ken has the original 18 Tankoban, 18. Uh, the original, like, mix slash Tokyo Pop translations from, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, and then I have the 2010 version. But, yeah, this is the point when Haruka first kisses uh, Usagi. Yeah! Like, straight up, is just like, anyway, here's a kiss. Yeah. See you later. She's like, ha, you caught me. Um. And then she, like, she warns her to stop, um, to be careful and kind of stay out of it and kisses her and leaves. Mm -hmm. And, um, is this when we actually, this is when we actually see, because she catches up to her, this is when Usagi actually sees that Sailor Uranus is not, like, another tuxedo mask. She's definitely a woman. You know, yeah, we see we see Sailor Uranus without it being stated that this is Sailor Uranus. Yeah. Anyway, Udiel is dead, so they, you know, we go back, and the next witch, the next person of the witches five to come up is Nimet, uh, who is posing as pop star Mimi Hanyu. Yeah. Uh, and she because Michiru, like you mentioned before, like Michiru has a concert that she gave him her tickets for. Be met as also like posing as a Megan Academy student has a concert to have at the same time in the same location, so that way people will attend both concerts and they can infect more people at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and um, like it's it's honestly a good plan. Yeah, it is because you have more people <laughs> in the region. Yeah, and at it's around this point when. Usagi gets tickets as well because she runs into Haruka later. Um, yeah, Haruka like finds them at the arcade and gives Usagi tickets and is like, this should be enough for you and all of your friends. Yeah, she's like, I know your friends don't want me to talk to you. 
but here's some tickets. Uh-huh. I hope you can come see Michiru. And, um, yeah, and it's funny, and, like, Minako is a big fan of Mimi Hanyu, and she's like, I want to go to that concert, not Michiru's concert. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, no, we're not going to that concert. It's bad enough. We're only going to this one, because one, free tickets, two, it's in a place that we know harbors the enemy. Yeah. Uh, so everyone's like, focus, Mina. And she's like, do I? <laughs> uh, in the meantime, but... Chibiusa is seemingly unaware of what's happening. Like, she doesn't there, really seem to, she's to not really plugged into. Before you move on to Chibiusa, there's another story point I want to mark on here with Mamoru. Okay. Um, so they get the tickets from Haruka. And then um, we get another time when... Usagi spots Mamoru with Michiru, and mm-hmm. because she just inter- interacted with Haruka, she's like, um, I want to understand them. These, There's something different about these two. I want to get to know what's going on. That's when she spots um, Michiru and Mamoru again, who the last couple times she's had like a little bit of jealousy, like, what's going on there? But this time she's like, I bet he's doing the same thing I'm doing. I bet he's got the same vibe, you know? And I just think that's really cool because the anime had that ongoing thing of pitting her against other women and making her insanely jealous that in the manga, when this came up, she's like, oh, I get it. I think I get what's going on here, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyways, I just wanted to touch on that because yeah. it's something we raged about so much in the last season that I thought it was important to kind of point out how the manga, it seems like the writer definitely saw, like, Nako definitely saw, like, that last season was probably like, yeah, that was shit, just as much as we are, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Like, that's not how they would have handled jealousy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, so. Um, anyways, but so we- I do, I do like the way it handles like both of them feeling insecure yeah. in their relationship because they're young. They like, are. You know, we talk about the fact that you know, like we know they're just like now we know like they're going to grow up and become king and queen of the earth and blah blah blah. But like they're fifteen and eighteen and like nothing is certain and like all of this is still very new. It's only been a year. You know, like they don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. You know, so of course they're gonna feel really insecure about their relationship. Uh-huh. Uh, so, that's just something that I thought that you were right to point out. Yay. Um, but anyway, we get uh, a scene of Chibiusa going to visit Hotaru because they've now become friends. Chibiusa's just like, you're my friend, let's hang out. And the handkerchief. And I think this is the she's, first... She's returning the handkerchief. That's right. When when she got... That's right. Yeah, during the fight, she got a little scratch, and Hotaru wrapped uh, the injury. And so, Chibiusa... Yeah. Um, the, it stayed stained, though. She So she bought a new handkerchief for her. Mm-hmm. To, to replace that one. And it's a short visit, right? Um, yeah, it's a fairly short visit. I'm trying to see my notes here. Yeah, it, it doesn't last very long. Like, I think Hapari starts to feel unwell. And I don't remember if this is the point where she... This is when she reveals the crystal. Shows. Yeah. Does she? Is this the point where she first like lets her use her silver crystal? Yeah, because to to kind of make her feel better. Yeah, because um, yeah, Hotaru pulls out her crystal and she's like, "It was working at first, but it's not really working now." And um, we do see, um, 
they mentioned that she was in an accident and she's scarred from it and her body is covered in scars is what we find out. And she describes the um, thing from her father as an amulet and explains to Chibiusa what an amulet is, how it's used for healing. And Chibiusa is like, oh, I have an amulet. And she pulls out the the silver crystal. and um, Yeah, her compact. Yeah, and, and lets Hotaru hold the crystal and it helps um, heal her. And um, they discuss the fact that she's, you know, Chibi Moon and to keep it secret and Hotaru promises to keep it secret. And, um... Mm-hmm. And and then Hotaru actually confides in her that she thinks the monster in the news escaped from her father's lab, which I think was interesting because it's like, well, since we're exchanging secrets, so uh, I think my dad's a supervillain. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of a cool moment because we have all the senshi gathering intel, including Chibiusa, you know. Um, mm-hmm. unintentionally gathering intel on this issue that they're all kind of involved with. Um, and then, uh, that's when, when, when Chibiusa goes to leave, and then she gets, Chibiusa leaves. Yeah. And then Haruka and Michiru show up in a helicopter <laughs> and are like, hey, we'll give you a lift home. Yeah. And like, Mentally, I'm just screaming, like, don't, like, it's, don't get into a car with a stranger, but absolutely do not get into a helicopter with a stranger. Yeah, definitely don't get into a helicopter, for sure. So, um, but during the (laughs) ride, they have a conversation, because Chibius is like, um, oh, my friend, because they're like, oh, what did you talk about? Well, they say to her, like, hey, we're friends of Usagi's, like, we'll give you a ride, and she's like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and they asked her, like, oh, you were hanging out with Hotaru. What did you guys talk about? And Chibius is like, it's a secret. And they're like, oh. And she's like, we were talking about amulets. <laughs> it's a really cute, like, little kid moment. We're like, kids. It really they, is. They can only keep so much of a secret. And then she's like, do mm-hmm. you guys have an amulet? And they talk about um, Michiru's mirror, which she calls her talisman. Mm-hmm. And then um, they drop off uh, Chibiusa and Usagi. And her whole household is just like, was that a helicopter? Yeah. <laughs> and Usagi finally sees Haruka dressed in women's clothing outside of senshi mm-hmm. form. So. Yeah. She's got mascara. With her boobs highlighted. Yeah. And mascara. Mm-hmm. So. Um. It's she's like, what did you tell them? And she's like, nothing, because everything I talked about with Atari was a secret, uh, and I didn't tell them anything about us. And it's like he's worried naturally, yeah, and should be, because like two strangers dropped your kid off in a helicopter, right? <laughs> um, one of which, but anyway, you at her school, like you shouldn't be here. <laughs> Yeah, like they look at her and they're like, "Get the fuck off this property!" Right. Um. Uh. Yeah. So <clears throat> we get to the Mimet concert. They all go to Michiru's concert because none of them have tickets for the Mimet concert. Yeah. Um. 
and Mamoru takes Minako as his date because he was oh, gonna take yeah, Chibi. Us- I mean, he was gonna take Usagi, but when he went to talk to Usagi, she already had tickets. So you see him get kind of flustered, and uh, yeah, it's really cute. He's like, okay, we can go together to this concert, and like that'll make us feel stronger. And Usagi's handing out tickets already. Right. He's like, okay, well. <laughs> And Usagi sees Mamoru with Chibiusa and actually gets jealous the moment towards Michiru because she's like, wait, why are you coming with Chibiusa? It's like, well, Michiru gave me tickets. And yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Venus wants to get into the other. I guess it's just because I'm an adult that like it just feels very cute to me. Uh Uh-huh. You know, it's just very cute, like, kid things. I don't know. It is. It's cute. <laughs> but uh, the yeah. other concert... But Minako is like... Yeah, Minako's like, screw you guys, I'm going to Mimi Hanyu's concert. Yeah, which is only open to Movement <laughs> Academy students. So we get to see her so Sailor she- V compact again. I know, and she uses it to disguise herself as a male student. Yeah, it's <laughs> great. I love it. And... And of course, like, during the concert, like, Mimet starts to hypnotize people to, like, become diamonds for, you know, for the Death Busters. And she's like, mm, no. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, avoids getting hypnotized, calls the others, avoids getting, tra- avoids, you know, like, gets everybody to get there. And Michiru, in the middle of her own concert, just stops playing the violin, stands up, and just leaves the stage. Yeah. And everyone's like, what's happening? And that's when the Senshi get the call. That like, hey, you need to come to the Mimi Hanyu concert There's because an attack. she's the enemy. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> I just like seeing yeah, I, the, the Venus compact again for a minute. That was fun. I know. I, I love that, you know, we see the disguise and we see the Venus compact. It's like, yeah, you know, they still have these items. They don't vanish. Yeah. It's very good for me. Yeah. Uh, so then the battle. So. This is when all of the Senshi fight, and Uranus and Neptune make their debut. They do world shaking and deep submerge, and Uranus and Neptune introduce themselves to the other Senshi, and they're like, yeah, this is who we are. Don't interfere with what we're doing here. Basically, they're telling them, like, back off. We're not friends. Yeah. And we're trying to stop the world from being destroyed, and you're just gonna get in our way. Yep. Um, And then... They get attacked by them. Uh, Uranus attacks them. Yeah. And then they leave. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Luna, who is not reborn. Is she reborn in the manga? No. She was put into... Luna and Artemis were in stasis. Yeah, so she was... And were woken at the... Like, when Usagi was old enough. Usagi... That's what I thought. Yeah, so Luna has a memory of everything from the moon kingdom and she mm-hmm. she actually tells them about the outer senshi and that they were never supposed to interact with um with the other senshi and that she's surprised that they've been reincarnated at all um yeah like they're supposed to guard the outer reaches of the solar system to prevent like harm coming to earth essentially like where there are people so they're they're basically there to to stop like intergala like interstellar enemies. Yeah, which I think is really interesting because um, I've heard that one reason we don't have to worry so much about like giant meteors and stuff like that is because they tend to get attracted to 
the larger planets on the outside of our solar system. Completely ruins all of my hopes for a meteor hitting Earth, but um, anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's Isha's. That's a that's Isha's nihilism corner. That would- Boy, I wish I could vote in the meteor. Uh, <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <sighs> um, but we do. We do get a scene. So, like this whole time, remember, Kaylee Knight is the is the head witch of the the witches of all of these people, and she is a scryer. She has a pool of water. Think Galadriel in Lord of the Rings that she tries to scry in, but it's often interrupted. And we see both her and Mars try to scry for the talismans and this destruction, but their power is blocked. Mm-hmm. And I think it's implied to have been done by Neptune with her mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then next we see that Chibiusa is, uh, Chibiusa has a project for school where she has to make something out of clay. Uh, and she's like, I want to make the Holy Grail. Yeah. And, it's, and she like goes to Saki Mamori. She's like, please help me with my homework. And they're like, what is a, like, it's like, what is a Holy Grail? We should mention though that there is a very tense moment going on between Saki and Mamoru right now. Um, Yes, because their relationship is kind of on the rocks yeah. because they're both really jealous of the attention the other is getting from Haruka and Michiru. Yeah, well, he comes across Haruka about to kiss Usagi again and he interrupts them, you know? So mm-hmm. he, he he sees them and Haruka is about to, you know, and um, yeah, and they leave and that's... They they go back to his place and they're gonna have a conversation when Chibiusa shows up and is like, I wanna make this holy grail and then she's like, Oh wait, what did I just walk in on? Uh, and it's really sweet because they, they set that aside, they ask her, like, what are you talking about? And she describes mm-hmm. to them how it's this artifact that her mother has and they they help they look at pictures of um of grails i think for the eucharist um and yeah i think so and then they um help her sculpt it for school and then she pretends they don't help her sculpt it they like fully make this grail for her like you do with kids (laughs) and then she pretends to fall asleep you know and her yeah they're like really proud they're like chibi so we're done and she's like asleep under the covers yeah yeah and that's when they actually have like the chance to have a conversation and again, like yeah. this is a moment that I feel like is and, is a response to the show because they apologize and admit to each other that they've been jealous, and like it's resolved through communication. Yeah, they communicate, they make up, and like we see, and then there's like a couple panels with Chibius and Diana being like, "Hey, we fixed it, success." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna like it's really today. cute and it Yeah, it's really cute and it runs um opposite of the anime where it feels like a lot of the times Chibiusa is just trying to break her parents up. Yeah. Whereas in the manga, she's like actively trying to make them happy together. Yeah, which is so cute. It's such a cuter yeah. direction to go. Just like right. you guys need a moment together. And the manga still has, you know, Chibiusa kind of being a brat, being like, Mamoru prefers me to you. Yeah. Because it's fun to make fun of Usagi. Yeah. But it's done in a much... <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's much more lighthearted in the manga, though. Um, yeah, it's more like, it's more like what a kid does, like, 
with a parent, you know, where it's just, it really is like what a kid does with a parent being like, mommy loves me more than you, Yeah, you know? (laughs) It's it's a lot, there's a lot more, it's a lot more like teasing rather than malicious. Yeah. The anime, she was just malicious. The anime, it's just like, why would he want you? And it's like, if he doesn't want her to do you so you don't exist. Right. It's like, ah! have you considered the consequences of this? <laughs> oh my god. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, anyway, next up is then- Vilui yeah. in terms of the Witches 5. Yeah. Vito. So Vilui is water. How do you pronounce what? it? Vito Yui? Vilui. Vilui. Yeah. My, my. Vilui. Oh, okay. Like it's- okay. They, in the scanlation, then they did a, a B instead of a B. That makes sense. Yeah. So because like because there's no V in Japanese, they so B. they use uh they use B. Yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah. That, so it's that's why it's Ver, Verdandi in Oh My Goddess turned into Bell Dandy. And it never yeah. went away. Anyways. <laughs> uh so it's Ami versus Vidui, and Ami goes to the Mugen Academy because under like she's like okay i'm gonna get in legitimately <laughs> uh-huh. because remember she's the girl genius of tokyo she scores the highest on like everything right um but she can't outscore this vilui person she's like there's some bullshit <laughs> she's like i know i'm the smartest person in in this entire country like there's no way so she goes to like as as if she's going to be a new recruit for megan academy uh, for their prep school for their cram school yeah and um, as she's walking with Vilui, she senses, like, Kaoli Knight senses, like, a, a person of power has entered the building and is spying on her through the cameras. And Mercury realizes she's being watched and turns around and just, like, breaks a CCTV. The camera. It's great! <laughs> it's great. It's such a, it, it's one of those few moments that we get of, like, Mercury doing action. Being a badass. Yeah, and she's just like, hey, this is what's happening. She calls the other sentry uh, as V. Louis starts to attack her. And um, and she discovers where the daemon are being made, right? She finds the lab. Yeah, she she yeah she runs through. She finds the lab. She finds the daemons. That's when V. Louis is like, well, you've seen too much. Guess you gotta die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she's... And Mercury like, calls them to the exact location. Yeah. And then she she escapes. She jumps out the window. She does this perfect dive into a swimming pool from the from thirteen stories up. She's not the sentry of water for nothing. I know it's so cool. I just love and I love that we've established she's such a good swimmer already because it doesn't come out of fucking nowhere. You know, it's yeah. Like, we already know this is something she's really good at. Um. Oh, she ran into. Michiru and Haruka there. Haruka, yeah, while she's running through, she see like, Haruka and Michiru see her, and they're like, what are you doing here? And she's like, gotta go. Yeah, (laughs) but they get captured um, at the same time they're trying to capture Ami, but uh, Ami escapes through the window. But they fight their way out. They're kind of caught up at the same time. They fight their way out, and this is when we all see, it's revealed that Haruka and Michiru are Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune. So this is when everybody finds out. Okay. And like, they're like, guess we can't come to school anymore. Yeah. It also <laughs> reveals the second talisman at this point. Because Michiru has her her mirror. And then 
uh, yes. Uranus reveals and then her sword. Haruka does, yeah, Haruka does Space Sword Blaster, and we see the sword. Um, and like you said, uh, Michiru has the the mirror. There's oh, there's a specific name for them, and I can't remember what. I think it's a space. I think it's literally space sword. I think it is space sword. I don't remember what the mirrors. It's is. uh, isn't it like submarine? No, submarine reflection is the attack. Yeah, it'll come up. I'm sure we'll find out in the next half. But uh, deep aqua mirror. Deep aqua mirror. I had to look it up. I was just like, I'm not. This is gonna bother me. Yeah. So we we transition away from like Uranus and Neptune are like anyway we're not friends we gotta go peace out mm-hmm. um and uh we transition to something that is sort of unexpected we transition to Motoki the arcade guy mm-hmm. uh because he's going to visit his girlfriend at college and he's going to pick up Reiko who was introduced in the first arc. And Reiko is a second year college student at this point. And so he goes to pick her up and Reiko's in a lab and Reiko's like, okay, hey, let's, let's go. And he notices another person there and he's like, wow, she's cool looking. And Reiko's like, <clears throat> excuse me. And that is when we meet <laughs> Setsuna Mayo, who is 100% a sailor Pluto. She is a first year college student studying physics and she's studying the weird distortions in the Delta making up the Mugen area. And that's where we're going to start the episode Yay! because this is a really long episode. And it's, it's such a good uh, cliffhanger because you're like, it, it's Pluto. <laughs> She's been reborn. Right. Like the last, right. The last time we saw Pluto, she was murdered. She was dying. So it's really cool. <laughs> we're just like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> She's so here. Funny. How is that possible? Yeah. It's really, it's really cool. I love it a lot. Um, she exists outside of time, so when she's reborn is totally malleable, you know, because she mm-hmm. she didn't die yeah. in the past; she died in the future, you know. <laughs> yeah, she existed in a, she existed in a space between space and die time. Yeah, so it's it's really awesome. It's really cool that they're like, yeah, she could totally come back because rebirth is already established as a thing in this world. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that like the time is not linear. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Um, it's lovely. I love. I love that. So it's just like we're gonna get all of the outers. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is we we've met the new set almost. Well, there's one more person, but yeah, there's one more. There's we've one met more. them, but it's exciting. Um, anyway, and but it. It's ex- it's exciting. We have two talismans. We know that God of Destruction is coming, and we know Sailor Pluto is coming. She doesn't seem to be aware that she's a senshi. So it's exciting yeah. to uh, to read for the first time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's the end of our episode. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Pod or contact us through email at Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you, as always, to Barbara Bailey for the use of her artwork. Please rate and review us wherever you find us. Or, Skinny Gawatte, Oshiokyo. Oh,